Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. That was, yeah. like, the worst I'm doing well ever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the mantra for the week has been, do the best that we can. So... <laughs> That's your mantra for the week. My mantra yeah. is, stay away. Stay, stay away. <laughs> yay, yay, we're doing our social distancing here, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, everything is freaking delayed. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to say. Everything is delayed, which who knows how long we can sustain on talking about shows and TV in this genre, considering everything's delayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe we can, like... Or production uh, stopped. Like, that's another thing. It's not just delayed. It's that on on most shows, production has just stopped. So I can only imagine what episode they were in the middle of shooting or just getting um, prepared to start shooting and how that's going to transpire in some incomplete storylines or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. I mean, I know, I think some shows were able to like at least with Arrowverse, were able to finish the show that they were in the process of filming. But uh, yeah, we're already seeing adjustments and schedules and air dates and movies like going from getting moved up early as far as on demand and streaming service release. Like you know, Rise of Skywalker was moved up. Um, I thought something I never thought I would see actually happen. The mouse gave in and pushed back Milan and mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it's just it's just a it's just as we were talking in the in the pre-show it's just, it's just a new world that we're in yeah a new world and and Stephen Amell is is like the jokes on you CW I got out while I could yeah, yeah <laughs> really <laughs> I'm done I haven't had a chance I was hoping to to watch the uh the act, the interview. Uh, well, I guess I interviewed, but the uh, Instagram live that he did, and because uh, I saw the comments that I'm done, and I've had it, and he said, you know, and some of the clips I saw where he said it with a smile and stuff, and I, I really wish I've had, I, I haven't had a chance to see the see the actual footage, to see the see his mannerisms and stuff, but uh, it, what, you know, I I, I have mixed feelings about that i mean I, I i could see how he's been the the captain standard bearer flag for the flagship show for for at least the kickoff show for the Arrowverse and and just being you know as we've talked about from his inside of you interview with uh, michael rosenbaum a few few weeks ago how he just he was you could tell in that first interview how burnout he was 
And so I can see how you, he's ready to, to move forward. But on the other hand, just, it, you know, be thankful for what you have. And, you know, many actors struggle to even just make it for half a season, let alone eight. So I don't know. It, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I read it. I, I think, and that's why it's get, being talked about. I mean, besides everyone's board, um, he's still a predominant figure in that world and his fans. I mean, I think a lot of us, we part of majority of the reason why you stayed watching Arrow is because you wanted to support Stephen Amell. And there was something about him, his presence on, on social media, his activism, um, where you felt like the line blurred a lot between Oliver Queen and Stephen Amell. So now my my opinion is, hey, I listened to that Michael Rosenbaum interview multiple times. I am not surprised by these comments. I will also not be surprised if um, somebody by the name of Grant Gustin gives a call next year and says, hey, we're about to end the flash. Um, yeah. You want to do a guest experience? Okay. I mean, that's what they did with Emily Bet Ricard. She was like, yeah. I'm done. And then yeah. it's like, well, you can do a guest spot. Also, I think Steven is also very driven on working. And and with his his new show, for all I know, has stopped production in light of everything. And he might find himself without a job in a year or so, where suddenly it's like, yeah, I could do some guest spots on some of these shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, and that's why I said I mixed feelings about it, because there was closure with Oliver. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and so if you bring him back, it, it has to be for the right reasons. And so, so from that standpoint, and from a storytelling standpoint, I could see where, I, if I didn't listen to that interview with Michael Rosenbaum, then I could, I probably wouldn't be feeling the way that that it, it definitely would have changed my perception uh, of the comments. I think, because right. I could just look at it from a standpoint of like, okay, I'm done. Totally get it, Stephen. You've been, you you have carried this thing for eight years. So totally get it. Looking for something new, creative energies, and you know, outlet for your career. Totally get that. But uh, having listened to the interview and just uh, both, you know, both the meltdown as and, as well as the when he came back, it, yeah, it, it's still. I, again, I think it just doesn't doesn't look as it's a bad look, uh, especially when you consider Brandon Ralph's. Uh, situation being written out of a show uh with legends of tomorrow and how that was handled it seems like it was handled pretty badly from what i from what i gathered i guess he was in vancouver and the people the showrunners and stuff called up from los angeles and said hey we're we're, we're writing you, you and you and uh your wife out of the show <laughs> and uh you know and, and i was and i did get a chance to listen to his interview with uh, on uh inside of you and how, how you know how taken aback he was from that, and uh, he was was uh, you know rightfully hurt because of his his time with the show, and and also you know also given that he started on Arrow, and has invested so much time and relocated his family to Vancouver, and uh, 
wasn't able to leave on his own terms. Yeah, and I see that's where it's hard for me to compare the two. And I don't think that Brandon's interview makes Steven look bad, especially no. in this instance, because it actually makes him look better and makes his comments about I'm done sound a lot better because clearly CW doesn't know how to treat its leading men. Yeah. Women, for that matter. And I think that that's part of the reason why it just got to a point where Steven's like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, I'm tired of being mistreated. He gave those stories about what it was like to shoot his final scenes. There were problems there and he quote unquote left on his own terms. Um, so I, I think that I, I listened to a majority of the interview with Brandon Ralph. Um, I have my own opinions about just, him in general so I'm I'm also not (laughs) and but they if you've seen the two-minute clip where it's referenced that's about it I don't I didn't really hear him to go into too much detail about the exact logistics and I don't think he was also wanting to put all of that out there um, because it's still kind of a broken family but I mean I, it, it's really hard because we we all know that sometimes these shows there are no stakes. You have to let characters go. You have to let characters um, go get to a point where there's nothing more they can do other than pass the torch. Yeah. Um, so so although I understand in terms of this is my livelihood, this has been my life for five years, my family for five years. I didn't see this coming. I get that. But a lot of us who just work in the regular business world, when we're laid off or let go, it's the same exact thing. It's just like, what What do you mean? So yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear stories like this. So I think it yeah. makes these actors more human. It does. It does. And, and I'm glad... If you have, yeah, we've mentioned it before. Michael's, even though Rosenbaum, even though he, he has, he will spend a lot of his show talking about himself, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and I feel sometimes like he has these guests on to like help him work through his his own issues and stuff. But he really is, he really does bring a lot out of his guests, and uh, you know, if we, I would, I would actually, I would love if he could get Grant Gustin on. Uh, because that would just be, I think, a very fascinating interview if he had, if he were able to to get to, to get Grant on and, and not do the sort of car wash, you know, Entertainment Weekly trade type of interview, but one that's more in depth. So that Grant can explain why he's phoning it in in the Flash on the Flash, <laughs> and so Grant can respond to the recent complaints about why he doesn't why. Uh, Barry doesn't recognize that Iris is not Iris. <laughs> yeah. Barry's getting slammed right now. He's. Yeah, I. It's like. Yeah, it's like, dude, uh, I, I know you went through a lot in crisis, but uh, you would think you would be able to tell who your, who your wife is. And yeah. especially when she could cook. I <laughs> should have been ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it, it's, it's really this episode. Um, it was funny because I saw a lot of the tweets going on about like, really, Barry, you, you can't tell the difference yet. You can't. What, what's the matter? Um, 
I, I, before I actually watched the episode, so watching the episode, it was like a heightened version where I was constantly looking for the, the openings and, and it's, and then we had Joe who is clearly picking up on some bad vibes. Um, it just astounds me how long this whole storyline has continued um, it's getting to the point of exhaustion for me where I'm just like, okay, yeah, we, we didn't even see Iris on the other side of the mirror this episode, did we? We did not. It was all, oh. it was all, uh, McCullough. Yeah. Eve. Yeah. It's all Eve. So, and the other, the, the thing to me, this is the, the big plot hole and which they haven't really addressed is why, so Cecile can read and since everybody else's emotions but and and, th- and thoughts, etc. And yet she hasn't been able to do the same with Iris. Because Cecile is a MacGuffin. Yeah. They utilize Miss Cecile and her abilities when it allows them to do something. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. then becomes stagnant and unuseful and therefore not a part of the storyline when they have no purpose. Because it was funny to see Cecile like front and center in this episode, especially when she brings out like the steak and the Ouija board and is mm-hmm. like fully in involved. And I'm just like, where have you been? I I know you've been around, but where have you been again? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know that they changed the character. You know, she's no longer in the DA's office, and now she's in a private practice. And I think she was doing the, what defense work for Meta's, and and <laughs> yeah, and and then I guess she was still around the Central City News. It, 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 you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where when you, when you have such an expansive cast. Characters do become MacGuffins, and this she was a big one this week, along with Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, which you know, again, really fresh. You know, it was like okay, uh, it was. I think that was. I think that was one of. I enjoyed. I will say, I enjoyed this week's episode. So let me mm-hmm. just put that out there. I thought it was. It. I, I do think, given that we've had pre-crisis, post-crisis, having instead of one big season-long arc of a big bad it has helped the story in the sense that things are moving a little bit faster as far as certain elements being developed but at the same time you are correct in that whenever they do try to shove so many things into an episode things do seem to linger a little bit longer than they should right so, right so 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 yeah oh, okay yeah no no go ahead yeah i'm glad you brought that up because this episode half of it or 60 percent of it i really enjoyed everything with nash and thon and it bothered me though that i think it took 10 to 15 minutes into the episode before we even saw nash slash slash thon like there was this very long opening to set up um, the prismatic refactor and to explain what happened to um, Cisco's girlfriend and, and how that all is working out and to the sunshine storyline. And I'm like, this is the exorcism 
of of um of Nash. So right. so where we, we what are we doing here? And then when they got to it, I really liked all of the talk about the negative tech tachyons and the positive ones and and that just reinforces this idea of good and evil and of the differences between Barry and and Eubard. So, so all of that was fascinating. It was fascinating to understand more about Nash and his mm-hmm. grief. Yeah. And, and then it just got elevated when Thawne and Barry were going at it because you, you continue, we started with a kid who was, um, watched his mother be taken from him. Mm-hmm. And then, but where we are right now with Barry, it's, it's really reinforced by, he's also a man who lost his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I thought that was all beautiful. However, it did not help to get, be in this like weird state of here's a really good storyline and it's very flash, like at its best. And then, mm-hmm. but we have to go and spend time over here to this to further the overarching storyline that very few people are invested in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, that, that's so true because I, I mean, I, I'm, a, you know, because I think even whenever we, you know, I, I was thinking back to one of our conversations on Flash, I think it was even last week or week before, oh, last week actually, with, with, Cisco's girlfriend being taken by Eve into the into the mirror universe. We didn't even mention it because the story, like you said, with Nash and really how tragic a, a character Nash is this season. I mean, yep. because we, I was like, as I was watching the episode, okay, he, we, you know, we get introduced to him early, you know, in six A, and then we, we've, uh, we get into crisis where in, in in his quest to like find i guess peace and everything with what happened we learned why he is motivated to do these things in this episode he um, you know he unleashes the anti-monitor and becomes pariah he has you know and after this he doesn't after all the events in crisis he is dealing with the, the consequences of that and then on top of it, he has now become the reservoir for all the all the whales in the multiverse. And we learned that he had lost his daughter. So it's it's just yeah. I mean, he's a very tragic figure. And 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 uh, you're right. That just I, I wish they had they, they did a good job mining that and really connecting those elements on an emotional level. You know, kudos to Tom Cavanaugh who always brings it. But you're right. It, it did get it did get sidetracked with all the other, all the other pieces of having to deal with this sunshine storyline, which was again just MacGuffin to like get Eve the device for for the black hole crime syndicate. So it's just sort of like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, the the, the scenes with Barry and and, and Thawne and just that how Thawne was just trying to get Barry to over. Just, just those cutting words as far as with Nora. I mean, especially when you're juxtaposed with what we're learning about Nash and his loss of his of of his child. And that, those, those, that's you're right. That's those are the things that Flash does very well. Yeah, yeah, 
They, they do that very well. And it's just, it, it's frustrating for me because I went last week, I was bored out of my mind with the episode. And this week I got invested, but I still saw glaring problems and, and like Caitlin getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, did they just want to like come up with a clear reason as why she wouldn't be involved in the rest of the episode? Um, it's just like these weird little things where you can you can see the writing um, that continues to irritate me. But I, I lastly, I really liked how. Um, because it's a very important for them to recognize this, and I'm glad they they had dialogue about it. That Thawne isn't gone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so that allows him to be put on the shelf. But knowing that if he comes back, well, we already established he's not completely gone. So right. he's just right. looking for body. Yeah, yeah. So Probably either like Tom Cavanaugh. Yep, bring Tom Tom Cavanaugh back again, or if it, or maybe Matt Letcher if he's available. But uh, yeah, I, I did like that that piece of the story too, because and I'm glad they actually wrapped up the Thawne story this this way. Uh, they didn't let it linger out too long, and uh, it was a good use of Thawne. And now we can, uh, whenever we get back, April seventh and. You know, hopefully they can get back, you know, finish out the season in relative order. Uh, we can really get more invested in this E story because it, it does have potential. I, I, I will say I, I did like where it was going at the beginning, but uh, it, you know, we got we had the the Ralph and Sue piece to it, and and so there's all you know, there's clearly the supporting characters are all connected to it, but it's just getting kind of fresh it's just getting kind of like okay uh come on barry figure it out so we can get uh iris well that's that's the problem barry's not connected in a way like a lot of people are around him are doing the investigations are picking up on the clues and are being affected by this but barry himself has been very distracted with crisis Mm post-crisis and now with thon and and that's that is something that Thon is is the biggest distraction for Barry. And oh yeah, Barry's also on the verge of losing the very thing that he has defined himself as being a meta, being able to save people and help people. Yeah. Yeah. So so everything it, it's both understandable that they're coming up with good reasons for Barry not being like, oh, we have this brewing problem. But at the same time, the show is called The Flash. Barry's our main character. They haven't made it clear, other than locking Iris away, um, why why this is why this is his villain right now why this is the overarching big bad what he's really doing to it and of course as i'm saying this duh as soon as he gets reunited with iris he's going to be on it like a revenge mode but it's still there there's still something lacking i'll say i'll say that there's something lacking but Yeah. This was definitely not the only show that aired this week. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, man. 
So moving on to that woman where we got to a very creepy flashback episode. Um, it was it's not my favorite episode of the season by a long shot. I also don't I'm not, I'm mixed about this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, there was something that felt very, um, there was a lot of information and there was um, a weird twist and, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad at where we ended. Okay. I'll say that. I like the ending. Okay. To get there for whatever reason, I wasn't. 100% 100% like, oh, cool, fascinating. I wasn't, like, engaged yeah. as I normally am, especially with this show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that way this week, too, and I don't know if it's because I was just tired or just, mm-hmm. or if it was just, uh, it, it, it did have that feel of, like, yeah, it just, it just, it was a lot going on, but it wasn't going on. If, yeah. If, yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it recognized the bigger bat universe because bringing in uh, Scarecrow and Crane's fear toxin as a way to, that they use mouse to, you know, capture Alice and to, uh, use that you know get the fear toxin to, to show her that and and i will say it did finally give some some context for for why alice is the way that she is yeah it it, it added another layer to the horrors that she encountered under cartwright and with right. cartwright right and right. especially as they tie it back into a woman who i can only assume is named martha um just okay. just saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they went they they just they, they Mabel, but you know anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but at the same and and I like how you, you you see the flashbacks, so you 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 get sympathy, and then you're also um, viewing the world through a fear intoxicated Alice, mm-hmm. and and how Cartwright manipulation and strings continue to be be pulled especially when when um and then you have this weird encounter or this not weird but this cool encounter between um who's their father name what's their father name uh as far as which father kate's or yeah kate Kate. oh uh uh jacob kane Kane. So, yeah. you, so between the Canes and the Cartwright, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's just, and then the revelation that he killed Beth, and I think that's my issue. Mm. Viewers knows who killed Beth, right? So as as they're making these revelations to us, it's not really a revelation, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly, and so yeah, that 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 was a, oh yeah, that was one of the threads that kind of like, eh, okay, yeah, it didn't I didn't follow through with that, but, and 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 also, uh, 
whatever Kate was explaining to her dad about Beth that 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 wasn't that that wasn't Alice that was murdered. That was actually Beth and ex- trying to explain the, uh, the the multiverse as far as how that all worked. And so, yeah, yeah, that was just, I was like, okay, you know, it needed to be done, and and. But again, it was just like, I just felt like there was just a lot of stuff being thrown at the dartboard, but, and it was just kind of hard for me to like, to sort of focus A to B to C to get, you know, to get to that point at the end of the episode where we had the, the conclusion of, of Cartwright's story. Right, right. Which puts, puts Kate in a very precarious place. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I like where it ended. I like... Yeah. I like where it wasn't a waste of an episode because it clearly sets up a bigger issue for Kate and it continues a story in this dynamic with the Kane family specifically. I mean, they're all, they're all in it together now and they got buried in this body. And, and I really like that place because there were a few episodes ago. I never thought we would see that. And so I'm glad we came here at the same time there was something that just didn't work well and wasn't conducive with all the different things that they were trying to explain, like having all of these flashbacks on top of having Alice go stir crazy with the fear toxin on top of Kate and her father encountering the man who took Beth away from them mm-hmm. um, and twice, technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's just all of this stuff where it probably, if they had not shown who killed Beth in that in that previous episode, I probably would have been more on board with this episode because that would have been a better revelation to realize that yeah. that it was Cartwright. Yeah. I also, or they could have reduced the fear toxin um um what what is it elute delusions that alice and focus more on the kate and her father coming to terms and the moral quandary that they face especially since where it leaves and ultimately kate does kill cartwright and she she really separates herself from Batman in this episode, which we've been talking about the similarities and how they're, they're manipulating the lore in all the right ways to make it familiar yet different. And then it's, it's like they just drove off the cliff with this. Yeah. Yeah, But, but, but at the same time, preserving the bat legacy of that, that when they're in a suit, they don't kill. Which mm-hmm. I'm gl- yeah, which I'm glad that so, which I'm so glad that they did that and just it in the way they've been building this arc with Kate and Alice throughout the season, it it, it, it definitely you know it built it built to this point, and and and, and as far as the, and also the moral questions of what it is to be a vigilante and what it, that line between being a vigilante and a criminal. And so all the things that we've had up to this point, as far as Kate, like, I'm not like you, Alice, and stuff. And then at the end, it's just like, actually, now you are. 
So I, I, I like it's 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 uh, it's really you know it's it's really brought that moral ambiguity to to the story, and really and and now we we you know since Cartwright himself is off the off the playing field, uh, Mabel seems to be the real big villain here. How Kate and Alice will have to will be working together, especially now that they know who I mean know who was sort of pulling the the, the puppet strings all this time uh, to create Alice. And yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a very fascinating way to see how this sort of ends up uh, because now it's this it's, it's definitely shades of gray for both both these two characters. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I like it, and um, again, not my favorite episode. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it I was like it four. Does a lot for the characters and the narrative moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Forty minutes of just like, uh, okay, where am I at? And then like the last ten to fifteen minutes, I'm like locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a perfect segue into Supergirl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> again, yes. <laughs> Supergirl. Um, This is a better episode than the previous week. It was. It was. And I'm you you start. You start. Yeah. So I I, it was a better episode, but I was disappointed. Because I I really I was I was led to believe that this is gonna be a, a, a a, a Mia episode, a, a Nia episode, and it was. But I was, I was wanting more. I just felt like it was kind of shoehorned into this thing with, with, with Alex and John and this, you know, the virtual, the VR stuff, and it just, I don't know. It just didn't tonally, just didn't seem to sit well with me trying to put these two stories together because the the Nia storyline really, where the show does excel is you know taking topical issues such as the underreporting of you know, crimes against trans people and and really telling that story very well as far as Nia and her roommate and then they and then they we had this Alex story which I mean they Alex and John just seem so detached and removed from Kara and everything else that's going on it's just sort of like it just seemed tonally like it was just too much didn't didn't wasn't a good sink up of of storylines for the week for me. Yeah, I I was the same way where um, it bothered me, especially since last week you mentioned being excited for a Dreamer. This didn't really feel like a Dreamer episode. There were there were parts of it, um, but I also felt like the parts of it. It was a bit, and I'm trying to say this without being insensitive. Mm-hmm. It felt a bit heavy-handed, and mm. almost where I felt the same conversations happened three or four times. Yeah, like they didn't escalate. It was just the same, pointing out the same things and bringing up the same injustices yeah. again and again. And in a way where I felt like they just took the dialogue from the first scene copied and pasted to the last scene and i'm like okay yeah okay, guys like uh, add some more textures add some more layers like this 
it, I, I understand why, because at the end of the day, messages that are really simple are often heard more than complex messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did like a few scenes, especially between um, Nia and, and Kara, where, where, where they, they have a tendency to either make Kara really observant and fully understands all these situations are really ignorant. Yes, yes, and I love that they had yeah, call her out on that. It was I, I did as yeah, yeah, uh, and rightfully so. Rightfully so, but it also bothers me because I'm like, Kara, wake up! And this is not the first time when this has happened where I'm just like. It's yeah. it's really hard to follow a lead of a show when they keep doing these like being really ignorant about anything that isn't alien related. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that was we 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 we, we talked about that last season with all the things the xenophobia and everything yeah. that was going on, and it's carried forward again. It, it's is it, and at this juncture of the show, Kara as a character should not be still this naive. Exactly. And yeah. and it stuck out like a sore thumb in this episode, particularly meanwhile, the the Alex stuff, I'm still it's a toss up for me, whether I like it or I don't like it, because um I I, I like that she's removed from the DEO and we're yeah. seeing her try to assimilate into society. And, and we understand why this is leading to her, um, us seeing her finally in a Kryptonian su- um, suit and where this yeah. is all going. The virtual reality stuff that is fully, Alex is finding herself fully emerged into is another aspect where I'm just not, I'm not fully on board with it. And maybe that's because right now what we're going through in the world, virtual of reality sounds really nice. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it, um, I think it's very similar to what we we're talking about with Barry. Mm-hmm. Kara is somewhat connected, but she's very distracted by, by uh, Lana and by Lex. Yeah, yeah. And by Lana, I didn't mean Lena and Lex. I meant Lena and Lex. And so it's hard to get on to the Leviathan storyline when it's not being driven by by Kara. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that. That's a very fair point. That's a very fair point. And I think that's why it's sort of like I, I, it's not. It doesn't resonate with me as much given and I, and I love Alex as a character and mm-hmm. and stuff so and I, and I like how she is still the way that they use this episode especially whenever she was like whenever she was in that VR world and you know she was trying to figure out how to use her tech and and you know she's used to things working whenever it's supposed to and 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 and, and, come, and coming to grips with that it definitely you know so it, it 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 does give some new texture to to her uh but 
but but again, like you, I agree with you as far as the stories this itself, it just seems, uh, and maybe like maybe you're right. It's just the times that we're in now. It's just sort of like okay, I can do some escapism a little bit, but at the same time, it's just like you know, make it. And obviously, this was written weeks before all this is going on, but it just yeah, it's just kind of hard to get fully invested in it. Yeah, uh, creepy ending scene. Very creepy ending scene. Um, and and a part of me did did like that. Jeremiah died. Um, see again, for some reason, Alex and and Kara, um, th- they often have some episodes where it's about them being children and growing up the way they did, and their parents, and then other episodes not so much. So I feel like it's been a long time since we've heard that name, Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah. My opinion, so part of it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, I was like, all right, this is, they're writing Dean, Dean Cain off since he's <laughs> for his, his, his real-world beliefs or whatever, I don't know, but <laughs> it just kind of did seem, it did, it did kind of come out of left field with that, with it with his passing yeah yeah all right and the the moment that will always waits for whenever we get a chance to talk right now picard (laughs) (laughs) this should feel like talk therapy (laughs) picard (laughs) i'm gonna say it like that from now on picard (laughs) jl 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 yeah but it it did. I I, it, I just felt like this was a, it was truly a bottle show after last week, and I mean I, it was okay. I, I mean I I have to admit it was it was an okay episode. I, I was when I was thinking of I was trying to write a few notes about tonight's episode uh, for our recording tonight. I I was the first like I said the first thing that kind of stood out with me was like it just felt like it was a lot of it was a lot of talk. Mm-hmm. A lot of talk. A lot of exposition. And I, cause it felt, a lot of quote-unquote revelations, not really, but hey, we need to do something for an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we we are on a limited budget, so we're going to just keep it keep it simple as far as the sets. I just, I just want to call it out right now. The, the Rios story aspect of this episode. The moment he sees Soji, I'm like, you know, no, 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 no. You will not tell me. <laughs> this is my thought process, Will. You will not tell me that out of all the pilots in this universe, Picard just so happens to get in touch with someone who knew Soji's mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not because there's a lot of emphasis placed on data being the father and i'm constantly like who's the mother who's yeah. the mother and and it's and it's it's just something where that moment and then and then it takes forever to get there but we finally get the history and i'll be honest i didn't understand half of really what rios was talking about um, but I did see the picture, and when you see the picture, you're like, oh, okay, so he encountered another clone. I don't know why we had to spend 40 minutes to get there, um, because Rios was already a part of the mission, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just, 
it, it really, I felt the same way. Uh, uh, I mean, it was like, okay, so we, we, we knew that he was Starfleet and we see the, we see the, the, the photo and the, the drawing of, uh, it was a butterfly flower and, uh, beautiful flower. And, um, what was the, uh, Jana. And so it was, I just, again, I, I mean, it was fun. It was, it was fun seeing Rafi do the detective work, talking to all the various uh, holograms on, on the ship to, to sort of piece together the, the deal with Rios. And, and, and then we, you know, we do get the, we do get the connections as far as Picard and Rios in the past, because I guess it was, Picard's one of Picard's academy classmates who uh, introduced him to Rios's captain, and so there were, you know, so there were like those bits and pieces and that did tie them together. So, you know, to, to your point of all, you know, in this great grand galaxy, the stars aligned to bring these two people together. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I so in a way. The actress who plays Ralphie save this episode, her acting with all of the variations and sides of Rios really kept momentum, her investigation. The problem I found is she was investigating two different things or two things that she knew was connected, but sometimes it got hard to follow because there were essentially two investigations happening. The one about Rios and what his connection with Soji is, and then the one about her theory on the um, where where the Telshari and their beliefs stem from and where the... Um, and how this all happened and what happened on Mars and how it's all connected. So so it got kind of overwhelming and just to a point where we're like, okay, let's get there. Let's get yeah. there already. Yeah. <laughs> we're on our fifth version of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it did, it did, but you're right. I mean, she she did carry the help carry the narrative forward very, very well. One of the things I did like about the episode, though, is uh, Seven and Elnor. It was, it was just you know, so when we last saw Elnor, he was you know, on, on the cube. Uh, Narissa was hunting him down as far as the after she's killed Hugh, and he was in the in the control room and stuff. And so it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool to see Seven go full Borg. For the purpose of trying to to, to save uh, the folks on the, the other Borg on the cube, because the Romulans were just like, okay, were uh, obviously trying to uh, kill, you know, open airlocks and just send them all out into space so they could use the cube for their purposes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was so seeing Seven do that and just the, the, that that you know the, the 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 fight scenes and stuff. I mean, those were those were pretty 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 exciting elements of the episode and and then also just to, at the, from the very beginning even though it was a lot of exposition just to set up the story 14 years prior with uh, commander we learned about commander O being half Romulan half Balkan which explains what the mind mail she did with, did with Agnes you know it was not only 
uh, it, it not only, you know, it gave it context as far as all the images that she shared with her to, to turn her over to the side of like trying to uh, obviously help Picard find Maddox, but then ultimately kill Maddox. And, and then getting to Picard himself, I thought it was pretty reckless of him to like have Soji and Agnes there together after what all she has done to this, to this point. So, I mean, so I, okay. So first of all, when they dropped the, that bit about Commander O, I immediately thought of you because I remember you referring to like, who is she? <laughs> what yeah. is she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Soji and Agnes, I actually argue, is one of probably my favorite part aspects of this. Oh episode. yeah, definitely. Oh, I didn't say it was. I didn't like it. I just thought it was just very reckless of the card. Yeah, but you also went on and on about the cube, and I was kind of like eh, about the. Cube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, because with Agnes, I didn't, for whatever reason, up until that confrontation with Soji. I didn't really see her as a three-dimensional character. Like, she gets brought on board, the naive woman who's spent her life in research, adventure. We've seen that before. Mm -hmm. And then we find out she's a mole. And now you realize why they decided to go with her as being the mole when she she's, she's both worked her entire life to see a creation like Soji and right. when Commander O tainted that entire belief of of um, evolution and creation, and in a way that now it's like you're beautiful and you're I'm fascinated by you, but I'm terrified by you too. And and there was there's something very. Um, I think I think the actress is Allison Pill. There was something in her eyes that she just captivated me throughout that entire encounter with Soji towards the end because it felt heartbreaking. Like a mother who sees her child and then is both in, endeared by her but also horrified by by what she would be able to do and and so to me that was that was the episode uh, those moments in those scenes yeah yeah i completely agree with you there that uh, and it was a real nice way to build upon the uh, soji's interactions with riker's daughter last week uh with mm -hmm with the philosophical question as far as, you know, are you human? Are you synth? And, and so it, it and, 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 and building on the, you know, how, you know, data's role in the universe. And, and, you know, it was just a good way just to pull all the little threads that we've been building up, building on this season, that moment with, with like, as you, as you just beautifully put it, uh, with Agnes was both horrified and also just in awe of what she was the uh, of the culmination of what Soji represents and also Dash. Yeah, hers. and yeah. I, and I think that we're gonna get a little bit more of that specifically specifically from Picard soon because 
that's the whole crux of this whole season is that um, the Tel Shari, they, they all believe that, that um, just because it happened 800 years ago, I guess, um, these synths are going to evolve to a point where they will just destroy everything and everyone. And, and so it's like a pendulum. It's a pendulum swing. So it's 50-50. It's like yeah. Picard had one good experience with the synth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and, he, and he's standing by that to the point where he could also introduce the the end of the world because Soji, technically, I guess she's kind of just assuming she's the destroyer, yeah, uh, but well, hasn't been proven. Hasn't been proven, but I mean, but you know, but again, it uh, it does it did do a good job of pulling forward. Rom does, who is, you know, we've learned in this is Narissa's aunt. They pull that the, the moment whenever they were playing the, the, the tarot card, the Romulan card, tarot cards or whatever, a mm-hmm. uh, few episodes earlier. They that's just, it was well, even even though it spent a bit of time setting it up at the beginning of the episode, it was well executed to bring that forward and, and for her to possibly to show and close that loop that she in their eyes is the destroyer yeah i i really liked see i was not annoyed with the exposition at the beginning of this episode because it tied in so many things that were referenced before and then it added that uh that connection between narissa and ramada who which honestly made me want to go back to that previous episode between soji and her um, where we did see the cards and and it would provide more context yeah. and like okay now I understand and I wonder if I could pick up on any hints um, so overall I'm actually I I I really like this episode it's solid um, minus the Rios part and the just so like hey happenstance of it all um, I and then I also I I like. I like that that preview of next week where we're yeah. finally going to see where all of the since have been coming from since they've been kind of kicked out of the universe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this week's episode. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that is it for us tonight. Uh, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. Be sure to social distance, y'all. It's up to all of us to keep this thing from spreading. Yep, absolutely. And you can find me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.